I'm Alexander Hefner, your host on The Open Mind. You're listening to our podcast edition of the program. I'm delighted to welcome to the show today Facebook Research Fellow, a PhD candidate in the HCI lab at West Virginia University, Claudia Flores Sabiaga. Uh, Welcome, Claudia. Hi, Alexander. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. Um, You have studied extensively how bad actors organize dis and misinformation campaigns online. Uh, And we know that uh, democracy has come under assault, uh, not only as a result of manipulative campaigns of bots and trolls, but by elected officials um, sowing discord and proliferating disinformation around, around this 2020 election. Facebook and Twitter have done something they never did before, which is suspend and temporarily ban Donald Trump from their platforms. Do you think that this was long overdue um, and that um, they have responsibility and liability for disinformation campaigns over the months and years of the last uh, presidential term? Well, uh, from my research, what I've discover on what I've uh, known is that it's really, really hard to determine who is responsible for this. Because if you take into account the context in which social networks work, is a global context. This means that not only uh, people in certain country can create an account, everybody can create an account. And what we have found uh, from uh, over the years in the research uh, is that not only people within the U.S. are behind these campaigns. So it's really hard to discuss who is responsible for that, because it's not only that social networks are responsible, it's also maybe um, governments are responsible because they have to discuss things such as what means free speech. Because free speech is something that it's not the same here, for example, in the U.S. as it is in the Arab world, for example. So trying to moderate certain groups within social networks or subreddits within Reddit, for example, is really hard just because of this global context and because of this ambiguity of what free speech means to whom. What is your reaction, though, to the suspension of Donald Trump on Facebook and Twitter? I think that in the sense of trying to um, suspend a political leader in either social network is not something that is going to solve the problem. Because this is a problem that has been generated over the years in different social networks, not even only on, on one or the other. Also, for example, in others that are not as, as known as the ones that are mainstream, for example, Fortune has been a big one. Um, so no, some other encrypted networks such as Discord have been, have been like big ones. So uh, trying to block one opinion from one uh, social network or the, or the other is not going to solve the problem or is not going to have um, like any big effect. In, in, in my research that I've been doing uh, around this uh, political troll community that supports uh, the president, we have found that they were being able to um, try to frame 
all the political events into their own purposes. So in this case, I think that doing that, what it's gonna cause is that it's gonna make them angry and even more, believe even more in that they must fight for their own purposes or their own, what they consider their own democracy. I would argue that what Donald Trump did on Facebook and Twitter to incite violence against our own capital, our own legislative branch is not speech. It was criminal. So I, I obviously disagree with you that suspension and deletion of bad actors is necessary and troll and bots, you know, farms of, of accounts that, that amplify disinformation are only a problem because you have accounts with influence and money and, and uh, popularity who are willing to market and sell those lies to millions and billions of people. That is true. They have a lot of reach and that's what makes them uh, so important in the sense of they have a, a, a bigger audience. Um, also, I think that there are a lot of interests that we don't know that are behind all of these bots accounts that have like a similar effects in the sense that they are able to spread a message really, really quickly among not one, one or two, but a lot of social networks and among all of these people that, are, um, that, that have certain ideology. What does your work consist of uh, in studying social media footprint on, on Facebook and beyond Facebook? My work has been uh, focused on understanding this type of communities and what makes them uh, so strong. So for example, um, we, I have studied Reddit and specifically these Trump supporters on Reddit. And what I found is that they were able to form a community. And one of the things that I've always came across is that there is no one on the other side, side, meaning that they are like a group of people that have their own vocabulary, that have their own beliefs, that organize themselves, not only among themselves, but also, for example, for with political leaders to have discussions about what's going on, how they should act, etc. So they are so um, into their own group that they are able to coordinate outside in the outside world. So I think that what's, that's one of the reasons why they have, uh, they were successful in organizing uh, yesterday's rally. On the other hand, for example, in the sense of how I uh, observe how these, uh, these uh, political trolls not only target um, the population in general, but also minorities such as the one I'm part of the Latin community that it's the same, they're organized against uh, certain communities. What I've seen is that mm, there's nobody on the other side. For example, the NGOs that support these uh, minority groups are like scattered all over the country, but they are not like the same united group as these political trolls are. So that makes them that there's no one that can fight them as, as, or counter their actions as much as they should be done. It should be done. I do think you're right in the sense that, and let's let's be honest, it was a protest that turned into a riot, that turned into an insurrection. The United States Capitol, not since the War of 1812, had been under 
assault in, in, in this manner, not since the Civil War had there been the kind of sedition. We're not talking about a protest. Um, we're, talking, we're not talking about isolated instances of arson or theft connected to racial justice protests. We're not talking about what we saw in Portland with the FBI and lo local law enforcement against citizen activists surrounding federal offices. We're talking about an attack on the U.S. Capitol holding hostage the U.S. Capitol. We're talking about the kidnapping of, of the American government. Um, so I just want to be honest about the language we're using. In any other situation, in any other country, looting the floor of your congressional chamber, of your legislative branch of government, uh, would be considered an act of war. Um, so Facebook is responding to what is clearly not a protest and not a riot, but I would argue treason, an act of war against the United States. So can, can you tell us from your research how many of those bad actors online are often the people who are bad actors in terms of physically manifesting criminality? I mean, people who are encouraging criminality online, are they the same people engaging in criminality in, in the streets? Well, it's really hard to know, as I told you before, who, are, who is the people that is behind those accounts, because sometimes uh, people can um, just create one of two in which they are like normal, regular citizens that are really believe in, in that this is something that they call just. Um, however, um, what, it's, what I have observed is that sometimes certain accounts, for example, on Twitter or on Reddit, um, they have this automation behind, meaning that there is someone that is like a normal citizen trying to make uh, people believe that who is behind that account is like a regular citizen, uh, but they create this certain automation in which they spread this misinformation and disinformation and these um, messages that make people react. And there is not something that has occurred, for example, in the U.S. In Mexico, it has happened the same, like right now with the current political um, party that is in power, even people within the government are doing these type of things. So that's why one part of things uh, that it's, that's why it's very difficult to track it's very difficult to define if, how to stop it. And what I want to make clear is that it's not some, imagine that these accounts are in the millions. It's really easy to block one account that is high profile because everybody knows who it is. But if you have like thousands of these accounts even that appear and disappear every day, the technology that we have now, even using artificial intelligence, is not enough to try to detect and block these accounts before they cause harm. That's how. That's why there's been a problem over the years until now. I think you're absolutely right that a lot of the anonymous accounts are responsible for furthering the disunion, degrading 
the discourse and, and, and a great example of that is those people on Facebook and Twitter right now who are blaming the seditious act, the, the criminal act against the Capitol on um, an act that Donald Trump encouraged, that, that Donald Trump incited, um, are, are claiming that uh, there are people affiliated with Black Lives Matter, people affiliated with uh, outside of the Trump campaign who were involved in that. At, and, and the accounts that are tweeting that are largely the kind that you're describing, the unidentified anonymous accounts uh, that want to gaslight um, when we know in plain sight, Donald Trump basically invited everything that occurred this week. Um, so I just wanted you to, to, to comment on the, on the fact that, that these accounts that often will do the gaslighting, who will see a fact and then uh, respond to that fact with, with a fiction and attempt to get trending something that is false – are often the kind of accounts that you're describing. Exactly, exactly. The, the, actually, it's that type of accounts, and it's difficult to, it's not difficult to hide behind like an anonymous account with a, a made up uh, image. And that's even now even easier, for example, with the deep fakes in which you can create the face of a person that does not exist. So it's not even that they are stealing the photograph of another citizen. So in your capacity, are you scrutinizing just Facebook or are you looking at the entire ecosystem of digital content? Oh, I, I focus on Twitter also and a little bit on Reddit uh, for my research, not only Facebook. Can you tell us like what that research consists of to try to identify the bad actors that I that we both have discussed today? Well, I I study mainly the communities and how these bad actors are acting. As I told you, how are they targeting uh, the minority groups? How are they being effective on spreading mis and disinformation against minority groups? So, for example, part of the of what, what I've been found in the past elections regarding the Latin community is that they are weaponizing this lack of accurate information. That's another important thing, that if there is not accurate information circulating about a certain topic or that it's not being countered um, by uh, like these uh, organizations that are doing fact-checking, then these type of actors are going to take advantage of that and fill those voids with mis- and disinformation. And they are spreading it in different social networks. So what they do is right now they are moving to, another, uh, to other type of social media platforms that are not moderated at all. And then they are coordinating there and they are spreading these, uh, these information campaigns in their own uh, mainstream social networks that we all know. So that's an important fact that we must uh, take into account. That they are only organizing in the mainstream social media platforms that we know. And that's how it's another part why it's difficult to stop them. Claudia, what do you hope your goal is ultimately in terms of policy changes in the governance of social platforms or in virtual digital governance broadly? 
Well, I think and I always thought that it's not only a problem of the tech companies, because it is not. And it is not just for what I told you before about how this problem is not a local problem, but a global problem. So I think that there is a lot, a lot of that needs to be done in terms of discussing who is responsible to take this, um, to develop these policies, because I think that it's something that needs to be discussed between governments all over the world, uh, tech companies, and also a civil society, because sometimes what could cause that certain policies uh, get developed is that certain minority groups might feel like they are not being taken to, into account. And this could cause another problem in terms of uh, censoring certain groups. But there has to be some forum for deliberating on solutions. There has to be some infrastructure, some framework, because it, it really is the Wild West, Claudia. Um, yes. So... Where do we begin to start that process? It is the Wild West because this is a problem that we have never had before. And that's why it's difficult to know where to start or how to start. And that's why the policies in every tech company is changing every day because they are trying to adapt to what is being um, happening uh, in their social media platforms. So I think that this might start... Um, between mainly will the governments willing to do that, like international governments. I know that it, this is type of discussion is also happening um, in Europe already because I attended one of um, one event with the government of Estonia last year, and they were talking about how different uh, countries within Europe are united to create this coalition to try to discuss, discuss this problem. And I think that it's something that uh, the U.S. may have uh, to participate because it is important as they, the tech companies are based here. So um, I don't think this is something that is going to be solved uh, soon. I, I think that it, this is something that might be, have to be discussed like, like always because things are going to evolve like every day. And the problems are going to evolve every day. And what I noticed from my research is that these political trolls are adapting as well to the policies of each social media platforms to try to not be like caught. So for example, before their automation was like very rustic in the sense that they spread the same message over and over again. Then for example, Twitter uh, modified the algorithms to try to uh, detect which message were the same and stop them. And they created these alternate accounts that I call cyborgs because it's like automation plus human intervention to just not being caught. So this is something that is complex, that it's gonna take years and that it's gonna have to be discussed like over and over as long as, uh, as platforms exist. It needs to be solved sooner than that though. I mean, I, I feel like... Solve? I don't think solve is a correct word. So, so what needs to happen? Manage. Okay, so how can it be more efficiently and safely managed? Remember, the goal is not just to protect consumers' privacy, which we know Facebook violated over the course of many years. It's to protect democracy. 
that's why there's an extensive area of research regarding that because it's not as easy as creating a law. It's not as easy as, a, as say, okay, block this. It's because like every day, millions, even billions of messages circulate on social network. That's the problem that right now, we, uh, the technology is not as advanced as it should be in sense of detecting something. So for example, let me put an example with the new deep fakes that it's like right now it is possible to create the, the image of a face of someone that does not exist. For machines or artificial intelligence or algorithms, however you wanna call it, um, for the general public, uh, it's really difficult to detect that that is an false image. So that's a really problem that's gonna come like in the next years. So it's not like saying, okay, you have to block that. Yeah, okay, that, that everybody agree with, agree with that. But how do you detect it in the millions? That's the problem. That's why I said that it has to be managed. Uh, research has to keep advancing and they have to keep investing in doing this type of research of trying to just advance technology enough so they can be managed better. But I don't think it's going to be solved uh, at all. Just well, that I understand. But my point was that th- there was the necessary move in these last hours for Zuckerberg and Dorsey to remove Trump temporarily, if not indefinitely, from the platforms. And that, to me, does suggest a recognition, again, that they are those accounts, you know, that account in and of itself, a single account, has the power to inflict violence and erode democratic norms. Yeah. So, for example, Twitter, uh, over the course of the last um, month, I think that since the election, started to put these attacks in every tweet of the president because he was saying things that were not accurate or not true at all. So it's a very fine line in sense of, okay, I'm going to block this account because he's not saying accurate things or because he might, and I want to use that word, might, cause violence offline. So it's really a fine line to say, okay, when I'm going to, to block him at all, when? Because it's something that it's not, you, you can have your own opinion, they can have their own opinion, uh, the citizens may have their own opinion and nobody can agree. So who is the one who has that power to decide? Because that, that's a, a, something that it's very powerful just to say, I'm gonna block the president now. Um, Claudia, is there anything else you want to share about your work that could be useful to our listeners who, who care about disinformation? Well, uh, what I want them to understand is that uh, um, the mainstream social media networks in which they always are, like the ones that we all know, is just the tip of the iceberg of what's going on in terms of mis- and disinformation. We have to understand that these political actors are creating these campaigns uh, just uh, and spreading this type of message just to make people react. So that's one uh, important uh, characteristic of this type of misinformation, disinformation campaigns, that they want to play with your own mind and your own sentiments 
So I think that it is important for them to know uh, from who they are reading, like because they, it might be just an automatized account that is trying just to make them, to convince them about something by making them to play with their own minds. So I think that it's important to recognize that we must uh, be aware of who is the one that we are following and the messages that we are reading online. Claudia, thank you so much for your insight today. Thank you.